Welcome back to the Invest in Yourself podcast. Today's returning guests are Colombo crime family soldier Carmine Embriel and his co-author Craig McGuire. Carmine was a mafia street soldier in Carmine and Michael Sessa's crew. This is part two of our interview we did a month ago. We covered his life in the mafia as a criminal in the first one. Now we will cover the day Carmine was busted, why he cooperated with the feds, and what life was like in the witness protection program. Carmine and Craig have written a whole book about Carmine's life. Carmine is again joined by the phone during this interview. Due to not wanting to show his face to be seen, he is still somewhat in hiding. Please subscribe for more interviews like this, and without further ado, let's get into this story. All right, we're back. This is part two. How you guys doing, Craig and Carmine? We got Carmine on the phone again. <laughs> uh, I'm doing very good. I was waiting for the show. Had a good time on it last time, and I like to continue. Yeah, well, same here. I'm I'm glad to bring you both back on. We <laughs> I I know we left off on. Uh, we're we're on part two, so we'll we'll talk about what was Carmine's downfall. I mean, he was set up by I believe Fat Billy. Is that correct, Carmine? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, well, can you expand on what the situation was with that and? Every once in a while, he used to get the drugs and stuff. I used to tell him to go to this guy, this guy, and he used to sell them. And I said, make my cut. So one night he goes, I just got something extra. It's a, fell in my lap. It's a great price. And really at that night, I couldn't do I had to go somewhere else. And he kept going, well, could you come stop here, Tim? No, no. Then he kept calling me back. Now I'm beginning to think something. But I kept calling, also kept saying, it's no, no, I'm not going to see you tonight. So all of a sudden, late that night, they surround my house. I mean, they were on the deck of my pool, rifles and everything else, telling me, come on out. I said, oh, shit. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I go out, and, uh, where's your gun? I said, it's upstairs in the attic, they told me. And, uh, you know, the guy goes, at least it ended good like this, I said. And this guy's name was uh, George. He was a real nice Italian guy. Uh, we got to talking, showing me, listened to tapes that they're going to kill me and all that. And I said, you know what? I'm fucking in. Yeah, because I want to get revenge now. Mm-hmm. That was my big, big part of it. And like starting off <laughs> with the first trial, the first trial was... Uh, against Michael Sessa. He's the one who made my life miserable. So and, uh, didn't you go have to, to court? I was going to say, too, didn't you have to wear a wire against him? Or, or against a yeah, lot of people I before you testified? Car and that, that's all Michael talked about was killing me. Mm-hmm. You know, so a bunch of bullshit. Then I find out Greg is trying to kill me. Uh, and I said, well, I can't do this, you know. And so I said, I'm not staying here to wait to get killed. And not see my kids anymore. So I said, yes, I'm going to do this. I want to do it. So the guy goes, how come now you changed your mind like that? I said, you know, you're talking about being very, very pissed. and I just want revenge now. So, and that's what I did when I went. My first trial was with Michael Sessa. So he comes in all dressed up, was wearing eyeglasses and stuff. And he just kept staring at me. So I said to the marshal, does, does he think he's fucking scaring me? There's the guy, Jeff, goes, pay attention. <laughs> okay. Oh, and then some weird questions like, uh, Richard Brady and his wife, uh, his lawyer stood up. 
and said, you don't even know Richard Brady. I said, what? So the guy go, can you point him and his wife out? There and there. Said, that was quick. I don't know how much he's paying that lawyer, but he's an idiot. <laughs> So, so you, uh, they were trying to discredit you right away. Hey, uh, Adrian, this uh, Craig was going to add something in here, Carmine. Yeah, there's a, there's a great piece of context here uh, that, you know, when I first got involved with this project, it was introduced to Carmine by uh, detect, former detective Tommy Dades. During this period, uh, Carmine was able to get access to Joey Brain's Ambrosino's uh, car, and he was able to put it in a parking lot on 13th Avenue where the, the the feds could secretly go in and plant a bug in that car. And the conversations that it's my understanding, the conversations that were held in that car by top ranking Columbo's during that period were very pivotal, pivotal in, in dozens of cases. And, you know, call talk about that. That's just a very, you know, yeah. nerve wracking situation. At, to, at that time, some newspapers were printing that Greg is when they told everybody about Greg. He, uh, uh, he, his mission was to plant the bug in the car. I already did it, you know. Don't tell me it's him. So, uh, you know, what happened was I had to go to a funeral. I didn't have my car. And I asked Joey if I could use his. And that was it. And I told him, I'm going to the funeral. I'm parking in the funeral parking lot. And uh, they took care of it before I even got back. So uh, that's how everything was. I was hearing all the bullshit about... Uh, who wants to kill me now? Greg's on the list. Let's kill me. Uh, and you know what? With Greg's thing, I knew it. I knew it. There was something wrong because, I mean, I got arrested for three credit cards and went away for three and a half years, like whatever it was. And Greg, I told you, I think I told you this last time, got yeah, arrested, didn't. 62 cards selling to Secret Service. And he didn't get no time. <laughs> I'm like, I think we should look at this. Like, you know. But they didn't don't pick it up. Everybody's afraid of him. So Carmine goes, don't say that again. Okay. All right. And there we go. Now we're all getting arrested. Oh, I think Craig was going to add something in. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating. As we go through this, you see how fully engaged Carmine was. So he was, he was helping facilitate the planting of that bug. He was wearing a wire in, in, in multiple different situations, going into these clubs, wearing, wearing a wire. And then when he was taken off the street and his family was uh, placed in, in hotel rooms and secret locations, and he was moving from safe house to safe house, just helping filling in the blanks, giving all the, you know, uh, like uh, information on various crimes and key players in the underworld that he knew. So there was a large period of time where he was very valuable to the these many investigations. Yeah, it was uh, worked out pretty good. I told you how we went through the process. What happened was it one night after the whole Billy thing, and I agreed. I told him, "Yeah, I'm, I definitely wanted." How was Michael to say this shit? And I, it was an unsanctioned hit too, because Joey told me when we came to your house that night, he just told me to start shooting in the house. I said, get, Joey goes, "Get the fuck out of here! I'm not doing that." Me and Joey always got along. Yeah, you know? so, so they really try to turn you against him pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he told me that he was the one who told me too that. Everybody else gets one point. You, Michael's making you pay two points, mm -hmm. which is a big difference in earning. You know, so uh, I was pissed at him every which way. When I questioned him about it, he goes, how dare you question me on it? Who's going to question you on it? I, I am. 
he take the money out of my pocket. <laughs> so he didn't like it. So yeah. he, he was he was a miserable bastard. He was going out like uh, Anthony Coluccio. That's who they killed, Michael and Joey. Uh, I thought he was a great guy. We used to call him Birdman. Uh, you know, we had this planned robbery with the uh, diamond store, the jewelry store. So three days every morning, six o'clock, we're meeting. There's like eight of us. And uh, Mike Bolino and <laughs> Birdman, Birdman goes, listen, I'm not coming back here four times. Right? So he goes, who's going in? So Birdman, I goes in if Carmine goes in. I said, me too, because I'm not waking up at six o'clock coming here every morning. <laughs> so me and him and his brother went in. Uh, we made some pretty good things. And uh, it was nice. We go outside. We're supposed to have Hank the Bank waiting for us outside. And uh, he's gone. <laughs> and then the next day, he thinks beating him out. <laughs> right, this is a good runner. <laughs> so, man, it was terrible. Then after that, they come to my house, like I was telling you, and we're going to ship you out tonight. What? I said, like, they took the couch right off underneath me. Damn. We were gone. Everything packed up. We got, me and my wife got that set up with the dogs are coming, the cats are coming, <laughs> which was a process. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, they, in and out the room, like, oh, no packs allowed. Oh, my wife thought, nope, I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> they all walk out of the room, come back in. Okay, you take the one door. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I'm not breaking it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting there watching. <laughs> now they know what I got to deal with. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. No, 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 leave the room again, make the conference, come back. Okay, we'll do it. And the cat. <laughs> there they go again, walking outside, coming back in, and go. Okay, the cat can come too. So, so they let you keep the pets. We yeah. had parakeets. Oh, did they let you keep those too? Yeah, yes, <laughs> all of them. The, the parakeets, and they said, "There's nothing else." I said, "I do have a like a goldfish upstairs." <laughs> <laughs> no way you'll die. They won't make the trip. It's okay. So now we're all going. Uh, the dogs, the cats are getting on the plane. Wow. Uh, so now we landed on destiny, like where we're going. But before that, uh, we get on. They don't tell you nothing until you get on the plane. Now, when you're on the plane, they ask where you are. <laughs> where we're going? My kids and my wife. Oh. There's Indians up there. <laughs> so you had no clue where you were going to be going? No. No. Like, I was up in Wyoming. They sent me. But, I mean, beautiful place. But my wife said, does Indians here? So she got on the phone call with City Hall. Uh, do you celebrate Easter? <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. So she goes, I imagine what kind of food they're going to serve. So that was it. Uh, we were gone. It was crazy for a while because in yeah. a while, like I was in limbo. They didn't give you everything right away. Your social, you know, your new name, nothing. So I couldn't even go out. Like, and, uh, you know, if I had to get anything from a bank or anything, you know, I had nothing. Yeah. I think Craig was going to add something in on here. Yeah, this is a, a, a fascinating part of the book. And we get a lot of great uh, feedback from readers 
about re- how, how Carmine dives into just how nerve wracking it was, you know, when first, you know, introducing this, the, 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 the possibility of going into the program with his wife and they made the joint decision. And then while he's going for between safe houses to provide testimony and evidence and fact finding, she actually was working with the movers. So, you know, remember they're right in the middle of Bensonhurst, you know, off 13th Avenue, a couple of blocks from these clubs and the whole neighborhood's looking for Carmine because they know that he flipped as soon as he's off the street and she's working with the movers to take the, Back then, you know, they had I think they had less limitations on what you could take. You couldn't take personal effects like they didn't want you to take pictures or things that could be recognized. But for the most part, you know, and and dealing with Carmine's wife, she's she's a pretty remarkable, uh, strong willed uh, woman. So the fact that for her, her journey into the program, too, is pretty fascinating. Carmine, talk about that, because this is a really shining moment. First of all, I said, you don't have to go. I'll go. Said, no, 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 you're not leaving the children. And we all stuck together, which was great. And uh, she worked from there with the marshal, but uh, it was nuts. So while we're in the safe house, one marshal comes and he goes, uh, I got to give you bad news. Now I thought maybe they killed one of my brothers or my sisters. Who knows? So he goes, the parakeets didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> so I not said, as bad as you thought. <laughs> I, I thought they were stool pigeons. <laughs> Would you be serious? My wife's a little upset right now. <laughs> oh, my God. So they got you all wound up. So then they moved us. Now we're in this place. We're in a room. And I'm getting close to where they're telling me new social and everything else. And that comes up. Then he goes, I need you to take a ride with me to the bank, to go to the bank. And uh, he calls the president over, he calls us in the office, and he goes, uh, can I ask you, were you in the witness protection program? I says, is your mother in the program? (laughs) 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 You don't have to answer him like that. I said, how does he know? You tell me nobody knows. But he knew. (laughs) Yeah, he was guessing because it's a new number. I said, well, that's just great. How do you work your office there? Yeah, no shit. Time yeah, to relocate. Because they give you no history, nothing. All of a sudden, you popped up. Yeah. So a few people figured it out. So, I mean, when they figured it out, did you just, I mean, did the feds talk to them or what? what yeah, I guess so. They talked to them and that was. Yeah, to keep well, it. You know, we had to pick our names. Then to meet the marshal in the new location. And he goes, listen to me, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who, who, what's going on here? So he goes, uh, I'm the boss here. I tell him, yeah, okay. go, go play with toys, will you please? You know, <laughs> it's out of his mind. So uh, I just said, yeah, okay, yeah, all right. You can be the boss today. So every time I used to see him, I said, hello, boss. <laughs> he doesn't call me boss. But <laughs> I used to hate that guy, too. He was miserable. Ended up, my son's playing basketball on the team, and so was his son. I oh, took my Get him. <laughs> well, so, I mean, you and your family, I mean, went into this whole program, too, with the pets and everything. What was uh, what was your family's thoughts? I mean, your children and everything. When did they, I mean, were they well, old enough? It's, I moved here for work. Doing oh. some stuff. But, but I'll tell you a funny story. My son goes out one day. He meets his kid. Uh, mm-hmm. So him and him got tight. 
So I used to leave my front door open. He used to come in and play Nintendo and all this stuff. But then I used to teach him some Brooklyn games. <laughs> Stickball, yeah. baseball, you know. Mm-hmm. What else? Uh, buck, buck. You remember that game? I know, Craig might. <laughs> I ain't for a Brooklyn. <laughs> no, that was a great game. Yeah, Craig said it was a great game. <laughs> Break your back. <laughs> so yeah. All those games, wait, you got any new games? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like pulling out of my ass to make the scully board. Yeah. Well, well, uh, I'll go ahead. Yeah, so uh, I said to myself, you tell them when they asked about it. He goes, my father's hiding from somebody. (laughs) I said, what? (laughs) I told you over and over again, don't say nothing. I don't know. We're in the middle of basketball games. I just told my father's hiding from somebody. <laughs> he just told him, "Yeah, my father's hiding from someone." How old? How old was he? Was he old enough to really uh, understand uh, it? He had to be about eleven or so. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah. he wasn't like uh, a. He spit out because he was losing the basketball game. He was testing the kid ass. That's <laughs> what he's doing. Here. No wonder why you're winning the game. Guy's not paying attention. Let you know where you came from. Oh, okay. Uh, it was crazy. So you were involved yeah. with youth youth sports and stuff then. Oh, yeah. In yeah. The, during the program? Yeah. You were a coach? Great. Yeah, I was a coach. Uh, uh, baseball, my son got into but he didn't like it. Then he liked basketball. He loved, fell in love with basketball. He was doing really good. And uh, my oldest son was, uh, he comes home with a, uh, an award one time when they went to practice. My son was very, very strong kid. And he used to play Staten Island. He used to run through, through those pits. Mm-hmm. Uh, went there. All, all of a sudden, uh, they give him a award for the hardest hit. And all of a sudden, next day, he's like, you're not going in today. He was playing linebacker. And uh, they wouldn't let him in. So I said to the coach, he's like, what's the story here? You give him an award one day. Next day, you bench him. <laughs> no, we're going to put him in on the, uh, kickoffs and throwoffs. I said, big deal. What the hell's that? You know? So the guy goes, Listen, uh, I don't think you really know too much about football. I said, I know I could take both of these outside and not kick your asses. <laughs> <laughs> I said, we all get down to the four point stand and we see who's standing when you're done. No, <laughs> my, so you so I get out, outside with them and I kneel down for and I'm ready. The guy goes, I think you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so you're still getting I into a bunch of fights in the next game because otherwise I'm coming back because you're wrong but how do you how do you like give this kid an award and then you bench him mm-hmm. it's so stupid you know that <laughs> so time he was playing he was going back he was banging <laughs> people <laughs> so I was proud of him I said boy and uh, after that it was just too much then he started having fights with some kids on the team mm-hmm. they all were and uh, one big one was my my son. He came running around the corner, and I see him, and these kids are chasing him in a car. So I stopped the car and said, you want to fight him? The kid goes, yeah, yeah. I said, okay, let's go right there in the schoolyard. And we went there, and I said, get out of the car, bang the shit out of him. <laughs> and, and he did. Jeez. But before that, I went to the guidance teacher. I went to the principal. I went to everybody. Please straighten this out before it gets out of hand. Please. Okay. They did nothing. So, <laughs> so you took the, matters in your own hands? The school yard, the whole school knew. My daughter came over. Dad, everybody's going to be at the park today. 
Then I went down to get pulled in. My son just started banging him, beating him, started biting him, doing everything that they never heard of. And the principal shows up. I'm like, wait, wait, what? You had your chance. Get out of here. So, so Craig, I think uh, another thing we could talk about is you know these Christmas lights story. Do you want to go on that one? You know, I tell you, if 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 you think about you know how Carmine's voice changes when he tells the stories about his family versus the stories about his background, it says a lot. You know, one thing that jumps out was uh, consistently across Carmine feels like he he got he he was treated fairly by the government, uh, but it wasn't easy. You know, it wasn't, uh, you know, you're picking up your whole life and, and he didn't have formal education or training. So to pick your life up and, and a, a large family and to relocate, you know, multiple times was incredibly challenging. And it's uh, his story is like the epitome of you could take the boy out of Brooklyn, but you can't take the Brooklyn out of the boy. <laughs> so one of my favorite stories is this Christmas story. Now, anyone from Brooklyn or the New York area uh, should be familiar with Diker Heights. And during Christmas time, it's just it's world famous for all the Christmas lights. They really go. They, supposedly, they say you could see it from space. That's how bright and how uh, how crazy they and overboard they get. So mm-hmm. now Carmine's in the program. He's in Middle America, and he wants to do something special for his family. Give him a little taste of home. So he yeah. he he decorates the house with lights. And now, Carmen, tell the rest of the story because it's just, it's hilarious. We decorate Because uh, my wife says, you know, make, make it feel like Christmas for the family, the kids. Okay. So now I had to string the lights because in New York, I used to have to pay them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I get, I get them 2500 All right, take care of the house by the time I get home. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have to worry about but it. Now, <laughs> now, all of a sudden, I'm hanging the lights and trimming the roof, I got Santa on the roof, I got everything. And all of a sudden we get a bunch of cars on the boys looking at the house. And then the marshal shoots, are you crazy? You're supposed to be low-key. You got everybody staring at you in the house. <laughs> I said, it's tradition. He goes, I don't care. I said, I'm not taking the lights down. I really am not taking them down. I went to hell put them up. Yeah, yeah. right. You know? Okay, you did it this time. Don't do it again next year. Bullshit, I told him. I'm doing it. <laughs> so we went through all that. <laughs> the guy was a real moron. Like, he drove me crazy. Sounds uh, like it. <laughs> yeah. So then, now we're missing food, you know, what we left in Brooklyn. There. So my wife says, why don't we go somewhere? So we went. We drove to Arizona. A beautiful place, beautiful hotel. And... Went there, my son is going, Dad, let me out of the car because I went to the valet. I was driving to a little station wagon. <laughs> so he goes, I don't want, and with the, you know, the luggage on the top. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. That is all Lexus and Mercedes, and I, I don't give a shit. So I'm on valet. We go there, and I tell the guy, you better not be a scratch on this car. <laughs> and <laughs> son opened the back door and ran. I don't want to be seen with you the rest of your trip. <laughs> we go out and we're just sitting by the pool and everything because it's so hot. But uh, we ordered seven mozzarella and tomatoes. <laughs> and we just sat there eating mozzarella and tomatoes because we love that stuff. 
<laughs> sure enough, when I get back to Marshall Rose, uh, you're out of the, uh, the program. Like, why? Uh, he goes, uh, we didn't get this approved. I said, you fucking approved it. What are you talking We We didn't get the approval. You approved it. Right. He wrote it right up the bottom. Like, and then they want to see me in Washington. Go to Washington. Like, I don't understand how you would just go on your own. It wasn't on my own. My marshal agreed. Turns back, looks at him. He goes, yes, I'll get that. Okay, good. There's a fucking other day wasted by the government. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they, uh, it was tough, you know, they put you in the middle of nowhere. Like, I mean, really I'm protected, but, um, let's just say they don't, they don't do enough background, like to ease you back into the program, mm-hmm. like show somewhere where you came. Cause I was telling everybody I worked with my father-in-law, I was off the books all these years and shit like that, because my social didn't come in and then it's just, uh, it was crazy. They they make a lot of errors too. They do try to do their best, but a lot of a lot of errors. Well, with this Christmas Christmas story too, weren't you uh, on the local news? Yeah, <laughs> they came every So that's, that's why he, he was so upset. That's where the marshals <laughs> flew over there. <laughs> Merry Christmas, guys! <laughs> no, it ain't. <laughs> too late, I did it. Oh man! Well, yeah, no, I mean, so you, uh, <laughs> I guess, while in the program, you're still, you weren't really trying to be in the the public light, but it just kind of happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, then you know, I was wearing shirts up to teeny sweatsuits, mowing the lawn. One <laughs> <laughs> man goes, "Where are you from, Mars?" Into <laughs> 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 our suits we wear. <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. You know, what also, something there, I met this guy, I became friends with him. Uh, he, to me, wasn't the guy I would hang out with. I just wanted to have somebody to talk English. He came from Queens. You know, he was, he went down out of uh, a job. So he got my mother and father followed me. So we meet the mother and father there all the time. <laughs> so the old man was like, who are you? Like, you're mafia? I said, oh, no, you fuck. Let me say that. <laughs> no, you fuck. Okay, good. So that guy had his wife. His wife was old and diabetes and everything else. So he used to call me at night and say, we're closing down the store. <laughs> so, Joe, come on down now. I want to need you to help me put Tootsie to bed or whatever. Terry or what's her name? So I used to have to pick her up. She used to ask about the grocery store they had. Everything's the, the stock is clear. We're closing up, <laughs> and I used to carry her up and lift her in the bed. I love you. <laughs> okay, then we got real close. The old man, he just loved it. So one day I was whistling, <laughs> didn't get back the heart and stuff. And he goes, "I haven't whistled a tune since I've been here." I said, "Take it easy." So we hung out a lot of times. Me, just me and him. Yeah. So you made yes, a friend. <laughs> I go to the gym, and then he used to pick me up. So, what's on the schedule today? I need you to come with me to this butcher shop. Uh, <laughs> so now I'm in a tank top. was pretty big then. And <laughs> we go into the butcher store, and uh, Joe goes, that's the idiot right there. <laughs> All right, so what's the problem? He goes to the guy, 
See, this is my nephew. He goes, uh, how old are you? 37. You, you want to lift the seat 38, you pay attention now. <laughs> he said, <laughs> he looked at me and said, okay, what can I do? So I said, they'll explain it to me. And now I have to talk to him about pork ribs and how they cut it wrong. And all this shit was nuts. Yeah. Well, hey, Craig, what were you going to add into that? Well, I, I just would like to touch on how challenging it was to, to find a new career, you know, and, and what so Carmine went through several different opportunities. Remember, he's got to support a family. You know, the, I think this the government stipends that they pay were modest and they ended after six months. So then, you know, with the not having, you know, uh, resources, I think it's pretty admirable to how Carmine found a second career, an honest career, and really he's flourishing to this day. So, Carmine, why don't you talk about that? Uh, yeah, what happened was uh, I couldn't get no decent. I mean, I was working in uh, supermarkets, stuff like that, produce managing and all the, all different, managing the whole store. Uh, it, it was it's something I didn't like to do. Mm -hmm. I always was on my own, so I wanted to do something. And one day, uh, I just figured out trying real estate. And um, it worked. It started working for me real good. And uh, I'm continuing everything. And, uh, you know, I got my family behind me. I've been doing it 32 years now. It yeah. uh, moved on. God bless us, I'll tell you. You found what you liked. Yeah, remember, this wasn't it, it wasn't high end real estate, you know. So uh, it really was a grind for the comp. But he had a lot of those. He's got great people skills. He's got great, you know, from from many of the rackets that he, that that he was involved in, you know, collections and, and and being able to keep track of multiple customers, dealing with really challenging customers uh, and and uh, tenants. Really, and then he was also helping other realtors in the area with their diff difficult tenants. So he really fit well into that world. So, and he's thriving in it to this day. I think after two or three years, they gave me an award. No, did they? I was golfing with the governor. <laughs> <laughs> I said, 13 damn, you should see me now. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> I mean, wow. Um, there I am. It's the best uh, realtor like in the state. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you went from, you know, being in the mob to going to be the best realtor. Thing, uh, well, I kept a few buildings for myself and then going to the tenants. You know, they, I said, listen, the lady, I gave you three months, right? You know, I can't do it anymore. My wife is screaming. It's business. You don't feel bad for them. But no, I, that's how I am. That's how I'll give you every shot there is. After three months, she took me to court. Took me to court. <laughs> she said, you do it. You know, so I'm going to court and everything. And uh, the judge asked her, why did, why, what's going on here? She goes, uh, I said, I gave her three months to start paying me something. And uh, so the judge looks at her and says, why? So why weren't you giving him something? Seems like a reasonable man. Okay. And uh, she goes, you know what? He just bought a new car. So the judge goes, are you married? <laughs> so I said, no. She goes, no. So the judge was like, what the hell does that mean to you? <laughs> just because he goes out and it's a Ford Expedition, just because you, <laughs> you want to throw that out? Was, well, what are you trying to say? Well, he can afford it. Miss it. If he did that with all the tenants, he broke. 
Yeah, no shit. <laughs> so you had to deal with a lot of tenants like that, right? I mean, just yeah. crazy. They used to say to me, you know, like guys used to stand up and, uh, you know what? Go ahead, punch me. Punch me. I'll own the building. I used to, oh, my own, I used to look. Furious. <laughs> Furious. Come home, hit the heavy bag. I wanted to, oh, my God. Because years ago, I'd give you a quick slap and then we'll yeah. go from there. But not no more. Hey, but, Craig uh, was going to add into that. Hey, just just this piece right here could be its own series. You know, Carmine has this endless, you know, array of uh, what he calls telephone tough guy stories. And, and and they think, you know, I guess when they deal with other realtors, they could get away with a lot of crap until until they call Carmine. And it's just it's hilarious. It's it, 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 when you know the full context, it gets even more uh, interesting. Tell us tell us about some of those telephone tough guys, Carmine. Yeah, I got one guy. Uh He's a muscle man walking around with his T-shirt. I mean, he was working out, but I, you know, you could tell I wasn't no, I wasn't shrinking away. I was up there too. So uh, <laughs> he still goes, you know what? He come on, just stop by. I'll kick your ass. What? What did you say? I want to make sure you said it before. <laughs> then I, you heard me. And don't call me again. Okay. I flew up there. I flew. I was on two wheels all the way up. When I got there, there he is at the door. I put my arm around him. I said, do me a favor, give your wife a kiss goodbye. What? (laughs) And I said to the wife, he's going to be on a long trip for a long while. So give me a hug and a kiss. She goes, get away from me. (laughs) (laughs) And I had my arm around him and I good friends. All right, you want to take your car or my car? Let's go. He (laughs) said, I, I don't know where you backed up like a little sissy. <laughs> what was the deal with this guy? What, what what do these telephone tough guys mean? Like- another one. Uh, when it, you know, he called my house and threatened. Like, uh, you know what? You come here, you're going to get your ass kicked so bad. Oh, this is one of your tenants. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they it were just talking crazy. shit. Yeah. Another time. Uh, you know, I used to tell him no dogs, no pets, no nothing, right? So they used to sneak him in. Now they used to sneak him in. This is how bright they are. And then they used to tie him up outside. They had the money to feed themselves. You know, now I see these poor dogs in the winter and all in the heat, just chained to a fence. One of my fences. So first of all, I told the guy, like, you don't think I see that dog outside? <laughs> I, I, I'm getting older, but I can see. You know? Yeah, no shit. I rented a truck and I went around, put all the dogs, I cut the leashes early in the morning, early, early, and I was packing them up in the car. I took about seven, eight, all gone. So and now the tenants, sure enough, I go down to this place and uh, it's like big ranches and everything else. And I, the guys, yes, yeah, we'll take them. <laughs> we'll take them. So uh, I go back every time I go to see them. You ever find my dog? Me? What the fuck? I not did the patch yet. <laughs> then the other tenant, I, I can't believe somebody stole the dog. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, it was being mistreated anyway. Well, who are you telling me that? I'm telling you as an animal lover. Idiot. You don't do that to dogs or anything. Change you, you get chained at night. You know, <laughs> they didn't like it. Well, I solved the problem with the dogs. <laughs> I couldn't 
goodbye to everything. And these dogs are like their tongues hanging out. No water, no nothing. It's sick. It so, really was. So they were just leaving them out there all day and living. Yeah, I, I, I had to go with a heavy duty lock cutter, cut the locks and pop. Right? In, they were having a ball, the dogs. <laughs> uh, they never see them again. Uh, and one was a, a, a Neapolitan master, beautiful dog. I would have uh, kept them, but uh, too big, too much. And I just couldn't do it, but I would have. But the guy goes, I know you stole them. Well, how do you know that? I tell him, <laughs> that's why I had to get out of that because I had more migraines than I had, you know, making money. Because my wife say, everything you let go because you're a better person. Like, you know, it was so stupid. But I did enjoy it. I made myself a good name. Golfing with the governor, and then going to church on Sunday. <laughs> that's, a, that's a change, man. Yeah, no, I mean, it really does sound like you, uh, you know, changed it around. I mean, whether, you know, you, you uh, kind of were forced into it all. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, you, you wanted to change and be different. I mean, once you heard that these guys were trying to kill you, you're just like, you know what, there's no more loyalty or anything. I mean, you were experienced yeah. that for a while, so. You know, yeah. this ain't the life that anybody should ever want to get involved with. Criminal life, mafia life, any of that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, what would you, uh, I mean, Carmine, what would you tell a young Carmine if you could go back, you know, to when you're active and stuff? I'd be glad to tell him, like, it totally is not worth it. Just so you act like a tough guy for years. But then you put your loyalty into the family, like, and they disregard you. They don't care. They don't want to talk to you. Uh, you got to go to assholes like Mikey Sessa. Fucking morons. And uh, I just couldn't take it no more. I was like going both with, You know, I joined that family. I was glad because my family was tough life. But my sister died. and got a few different things going on. And uh, what, I didn't feel that. We used to have dinners like on Sundays. Old family. That I loved. I loved with my uncles and everything. It was great. Mm-hmm. All that started going away. And when going away, I was like, I felt alone, like lost. But like when I played football and everything, I had a team and we were like family. We took care of one another. Uh, that's why I love sports, especially football. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted that camaraderie, but it wasn't there with them. It's, I still had to watch my back, like, What's that guy thinking about? What's that guy thinking? You know, but I was always respectful. That all the guys first. Show me respect, I show you the same and more. But uh, that, they didn't follow the rules. Like Michael Sessa was, Birdman went to jail and he's sleeping with his wife. You don't do that. You don't do that. Um, and he's doing a lot of the, uh, My wife told me after all these years, he hit on my wife at a wedding. There. So why didn't you tell me? She goes, just for that reason, you're getting mad. I you know what? If you would have told me, would, I would have went off the rails. Yeah, I'm sure. Maybe hit a wise guy. Who knows? But uh, I just couldn't take it. I really couldn't. And I got close to two marshals. Was uh, uh, Jeff and Chris, real nice guys, and. Uh, 
They used to say, put this sheet with your whole family. Every time they see me, put this sheet your whole family. See it and everything. I said, we live for the moment, Jeff. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I had a good relationship with him. He was the one who told me when we were going to court for my case. Uh, do you have any idea who the rat is in your family? I said, I always knew one. So which one do you think? I said, I thought uh, something was up with Greg and uh, 62 cards he sold. And she, he goes, right. She's, he's been cooperating 30 years with us. Hmm. Yeah. I said, that mother. But he died a miserable death. I was thrilled. And believe me, I don't, I don't like to talk about people uh, in a negative way. But that guy uh, killed anybody he wanted. Uh, and then he protected Paulie Pumps. I don't know if you ever heard that name. No, who's that one? Uh, Paulie Pumps came from Greg's club. Uh, he was a, a big Shylock. He earned a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. So at that time, Greg had to get the transfusion. So he got a transfusion. A lot of these guys went in and gave blood. And Paulie gave blood, but it was AIDS. Oh, okay. So I, I heard that story. Yeah, it's just the name yeah. I didn't know. I'll tell you another story report. We go out one night, me, uh, Joe Brewster, my brother-in-law. So we're out. So Paulie gets in his argument with this guy. So Joey knows him as this main guy from, uh, I think it was the Genovese family. So um, Joey gets up and stood in the middle. Listen, listen, we don't want to do this. Especially here, because they knew the restaurants. And, uh, you know, it just can't be done. The guy whips out a gun and shoots shoots at Paulie. And it hits Joe Brewster twice in the chest. Mm. So, he, you know, he falls down and goes to the hospital. And comes out months later. Mm. And, um, you know, I said, Joe, Joe, when are we getting this Paulie back? He goes... Uh, Greg told Greg told me I can't go get him, leave him alone. Really? So he, me, Joey, and my brother-in-law used to drive around every time we'd seen him. Hopefully, we walk in a bar. Hey, Paulie, hang out the rest of the night with us. <laughs> <laughs> we'd see him all the time. So when I used to see him alone, I say, "Paulie, uh, I think Joe said to meet him at eight o'clock tonight." <laughs> Just to mess with him. <laughs> to bust his chops. So every time we pulled up, Joe, boy, come on, let's go. I got dinner. I got dinner. <laughs> I'm not getting that car. So he even told Greg that, and Greg goes, we're just not busting his balls. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's, that's crazy, man. I mean, it's, so I mean, he had some died, humor. With... And Greg died. And then the best was when I heard these little younger guy shot him in the eye. I said, good, you should suffer for everything. Even though I go to church and I believe in God, this guy was the devil. Mm-hmm. Really. A miserable, miserable man. So, yeah. Let's just say he got what he, he deserved. Craig, do you got anything you want to add into this before we wrap up? No, I'm I'm just like I'm glad we broke this into two parts so you could see, you know, the difference between Carmine's background and his early years and then, you know, how he came full circle, you know, from early on in his in his childhood, you know, rich family life, and now that's where he landed. 
And, you know, when you look at the facts of the facts, you know, most uh, criminals who go into the uh, witness protection program have have great challenges, not slipping back into a life of crime, not being able to, you know, find that second half and, and you know, their families disintegrating. And, and the fact that Carmine, the strength of and the love of his wife and his children, and now he's thriving. He paid his debt to society. I think it's uh, there's a lot to be said about second chances in Carmine's story. Yeah. Now I've got granddaughters <laughs> and grandsons, and uh, it's the best life ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. Really, can... I like to see 13 Dan, you see me now. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, you know, it could have been a whole nother story, you know, you would have stayed and, you know, I mean, you would have went to prison for these guys, you wouldn't have experienced all this stuff that Uh, you went through. When the war broke out, I told Colin, I'm here for you. Anytime you need me, call me right away. And then in the beginning, I was starting to feel good because uh, we had to have that sit down with Vicarina. He called, told me, go home and get a suit. I was one of the four guys with him, you know. And I was, but I was proud of myself, like that he trusted me that much. Carmine was always, I always had a better relationship with Carmine than I did with Michael. Mm-hmm. So, and then at the end, uh, every time I would try to want to talk to Carmine, no, go to Michael, go to. I didn't like that. I'm not getting nowhere with Michael. You stupid bastards! <laughs> <laughs> and it was disgusting. Then, like, he even had. Uh, yeah, guys over there, not like me in the street and collect, uh, just different type of guys. I don't even know what they're doing. Everybody got one point, but, and I got charged too. What was I, gifted? <laughs> <laughs> not only that, he gives me a dead book from Mike Bonino. Yeah. Yeah. I because you'll be earning 7000 a week. I'm only earning like three. And it was terrible, terrible shit. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm go ahead. Yeah. Was, so, was, oh, here we go. Craig's going to put the book on there on the screen. Yeah, pick up a copy uh, available in audio book, hardcover, softcover. And we'd love to leave a comment on uh, Amazon. We'd love to hear, you know, from readers. Just really get some great comments. Yeah, Thanks, no, Adrian. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, again, I enjoyed the book. I left a great review on Amazon. I got it through Amazon, the book as well. So I'll put it in the video description again and people can go check it out. But I highly recommend it. I think Carmine's got one hell of a story and he changed his life around. And, and that's that's the, what's important. That's what the whole message, you know, is that's what we try to get out of each show is that, you know, you go through all this crap and, you know, eventually come out of it, see the light, in other words, and, uh, you know, change it around, man. So I think you guys were pretty fitting. Yes. Yeah, you asked me before about it, telling a younger kid, yeah. like you said, crap. It's all made up. It's bullshit. Try to brainwash you. Like right away, you're a tough guy and you're having a fair fight with somebody. Now they're looking at you. Right now, like you're training for college, like to move up, you know? And uh, it wasn't wasn't right because, you know, I know so many people got shot over stupid shit and killed. I mean, come on. I, like, even guys who went to jail for long, nobody was taking care of their wives, nothing. Yeah. I mean, I proposed it one time. I'm up with the old chip and gives money uh, to this guy's wife and everything. Uh, like Michael, oh, if you want to do it, get the other guys to do it. Like, oh, what about you? You don't want to chip in, you fuck. <laughs> yeah. you oh, fuck. 
Change. It definitely changed like after, you know, I mean, like you think when Lucky Luciano and, you know, all the other guys came in yeah. from the beginning, the old guys, I mean, they they really followed that code. And then I don't know what era, you know, 40s, 50s, but I guess when you were coming up and, you know, the, you know, you were active, I believe in the, so the 60s is when you got involved. And then that's when yeah. you, that's when everything wasn't. All, all the old timers, I, I related to them more. Mm-hmm. They liked me. They respected me. And I used to love to sit with them and have lunch and play cards. Because they were smart. They were smarter. Mm-hmm. Don't fall in it. Don't do this, you know. And I, I especially Matty the Horse, I thought he was like my fucking principal. <laughs> <laughs> you're done now. You're done. I seen your beautiful family. Yeah. You are. And I said, wow. I couldn't believe it. Then when I told him, I know Jimmy and Joey, very, very close. You know the boys? <laughs> I knew there was something in you I like. <laughs> yeah, well. That, that was school. And not only that, he can't. Yeah. Yeah, he goes like John Gotti. He's a fucking idiot. He goes, he's got his son involved in it now. I got my son. I got two doctors and two lawyers. Yeah. Uh, he did the, he goes, come in, the whole point of it is making you're making up a life for you to help your kids get along better. Right. <clears throat> and I think that's what the old guys did too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I appreciate you guys coming on, Carmine and Craig. Carmine has really lived a different lifestyle than a lot of people. It is good you found God and changed his life around. Please comment any key takeaways that you got from this interview. Please share it with anyone that you think will enjoy this type of content. Also, please don't forget to hit subscribe to my channel if you want to get more interviews like this. I'll be sure to put Carmine and Craig's book in the video description. Also, at the end of this video, a Mafia playlist will pop up of all my other Mafia-related interviews I've done. Thank you again for watching.